This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Listen, Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I am your host, Blake Howard. This is a movie podcast, as you would have heard in the opening, that goes through the entire 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA 1995 crime opus Heat. And uh, one minute at a time. And we're at the fifth minute. And joining me, fresh off of seeing Val Kilmer illegally buy a shape charge explosive, (laughs) is the editor-in-chief of movie news site Dark Horizons my dear friend Garth Franklin welcome back it's good to be back my friend oh well we're here we are at minute four ladies and gents you're going to listen to minute four to five and then we're going to come back and talk about it So, you've just heard the minute four to five of Michael Mann's Heat. Begins with, I think Garth and I were just talking, we were just talking in the previous episode about the suspicion, and I don't, uh, the suspicion of the man behind the counter with the explosives. Mm -hmm. And it's none more telling than in that final tip off of that exchange at the beginning of the fourth minute of the film. Yeah. It's about 10 seconds, and he literally looks up and down. Kilmish Christian Hill's character. <laughs> he looks him up and down and sizing the man up. He's sizing him up and there is something yeah. not right about that character. Yeah. There is not right about it. And we sort of slip into so we've seen in the But op- we see the charges themselves, which are blue, which is an unexpected colour. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's opening the box, he's inspecting it, and if yeah. you hadn't if you hadn't been a discerning a viewer just up until that point and didn't read on the top of the box when the mm. when the um, the guy is carrying the box in that it said explosives. It's well, there's it's a, a very yeah, telling one. Warning signs, yeah. There's a an explosive sign on the back. It's walking away. But I also love there's Kilmer at the beginning of that. There's like this amazing deadness in his eyes. Like there's <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to describe it other than deadness. And that's not to say that the performance is lacking something. But it's just, no no no. It's, it's very deliberate. It's, yeah, yeah. There's a deliberate sort of. Standoffishness and coldness. Yeah, it. coldness yeah, yeah, yeah. and passe. Yeah. I've done this a thousand times. Yes. You know, it's it's almost as passe as if you're kind of going to buy 
I don't know, going to get a coffee, I imagine it like, I would. if I was performing it myself, I would imagine it's like, this is going to get shitty coffee because there's no other good coffee around anymore. But it's anymore. not quite that relaxed. It's You but, can see with him in there, there is a, there's still a certain, you know, automatic skill of just like looking and just keeping an eye and making sure everything's going. And he's also, yeah. this is what's great about this opening couple of seconds of this minute. He's looking at the guy looking at him. Yeah. And he's very aware. Oh, he's very aware of what the guy, where the guy is looking. And so he's making yeah. sure not to be looking when he's Yeah, like, oh, and it's sort of like a relaxed, it's like, I know you're looking me up and down repeatedly. Yeah. But I'm going to, I know this, that that's happening, but I'm going to sort of just be passe and casual about it. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let this, you know, completely overtake me. Mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, it's such a fascinating. We're going to get to it in a second. I'm just sort of um, for 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 those of you following along at home, we're sort of going back and watching um, um, this one second at a time, sort of in freeze frame as this minute <laughs> unfolds. And right now, we're in about four minutes and thirty three seconds, and seeing Diane Venora's Justine and Al Pacino's Vincent in the throes of an embrace, a morning throes of embrace. It's just a morning quickie. A morning quickie. <laughs> I knew I knew Garth would be able to simplify it in much less romantic terms. Um, but a morning embrace, so they're just sort of. Well, it's a morning embrace, but it's it's an it's an odd one in the, in itself. In that it tells this is one of those moments which pays off so much further down the line. In terms of, it just seems like an innocuous sort of morning couple, sort of happy couple kind of moment, just living the life that most couples want. But this core relationship is one of the ones that informs this whole movie in terms of the, the relationship that Pacino has with his wife, his third wife. To me, I mean, that's the whole that's the whole key with this thing. And how that breaks down in the movie, and ultimately, well, we can't say, well, we won't say, we won't say just yet. <laughs> um, but it, there's almost like a real tragic heart to this movie, and that's an incredible tragic heart. And, and, this, the, and this is the this is the shining moment before it all goes downhill. So we're at four minutes, and we're at four minutes and about twelve seconds. And I'm gonna just quickly hit play. And now I want you guys, if you can, four minutes and thirteen seconds. You're gonna see Val Kilmer deliver a look. Now, in about four minutes <laughs> and seven seconds, you're gonna see the person who's selling him the goods gives him a very distinct look up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kilmer gives a look here, and this is where I think it's almost like a tell in poker. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a look, and there is an eviscerating power behind that gaze. There is <laughs> something that says you are nothing, and and. I just, in that moment... You're an enabler, motherfucker. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. You you may know, you may suspect, yeah. but I, I think it's almost like, in this second, what I loved about... the ego takes control. The ego took yeah, control. Yeah. I love that. I love that there's a glimpse. And mm. that is just how incredible there is. He's had seconds on screen. <laughs> he's had seconds on screen, and he's able to deliver yeah. Yeah. such a rich performance of, of establishing a character's darkness and mm. I love what you described in the last episode when we were talking about this is the fucking guy that could unravel this entire film yes and the, and I uh, this what what I think is going to be m- one of my hopes um, with this with this show is that we can sort of dive in and really explore performance choices um, mm. I, I love even in tiny things it's tiny glances and gazes to the to the minutia degree in and, 10 seconds. And that's what separates the best films. Yes. That really is what separates the best films. It's not the big moments. It's not the things no. like that. It's the quiet little moments and it's all about things like the body language and full control to those sort of degrees, the little things where 
you sense that the character has so much of a life outside of this movie yeah. and you're only just getting a window into the glimpse of it. It is so fully formed already to the point where it comes on screen. It's like... And so, and, and the next qu- the next question is, and I totally agree with you. The next question I ask is, and this is something that came up in a, you know a previous episode with Stu is, mm. and I look at this and I think, in a, in other films, lesser films perhaps, mm. we would have just started at the heist. Yeah. Why do we even need? Why have we needed to see this? And what I love is that. In some instances, you might, you know, at face value, someone like, oh, it's incidental. We didn't need to see him get it. But there's something that's so vital. It's because man understands, and a lot of, not that many directors do, especially the modern directors have a lot of an issue with it, is man understands the suspense. Yeah. Understands that the build up is more important than the basically the, <laughs> the bang. The cum shot of the bang <laughs> of the heist. Um, so it's all about slowly and meticulously constructing it. Billion that clicking clock with that score, the score through these sort of scenes. Golden Thor. So like, wow. Bang, bang, bang. Wow. Um, it, it, there is, you're building, I mean, these are people just purchasing stuff at stores. This is people just, you know, okay, there's maybe something surreptitious going on with like hijacking ambulances is the most casual that. But you know something is seriously up and this is, something's off. And yeah. building, they're building up that unease to the point of when it hits, it has that much power in it. You're following these guys, each person in the heist. It's not like random guys in masks just popping in and saying, ah, okay, we know. We don't care we, who we, these people are. We hear a voice. Yeah. So we get to the heartbreak. We get to the central story hmm. of this entire film, which is this morning glory. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We see Vincent Hanna. But there's one thing, and, and, and we see... And, although and the focus on the ring. That's an interesting shot. Yes. Yeah. A beautiful little ring shot where Venora comes back, and she's... We are talking about wedding rings, by the way. Wedding ring, yes. <laughs> and also, and also I love I love that this is a 40-year-old couple at the time. Yes. No, I love... The, that's one of the beauties of this film. And you're talking about a time in the, sort of the mid-90s where especially women in these sort of films are usually... Even if you have an older man in their 40s or 50s, the 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 love interest is in their twenties or thirties. There's usually that big gap, and it's that really kind of and it's that. grotesque. Yeah, and you here you have a couple that's completely age appropriate. Yes, not only just for their jobs but for themselves. The fact that they're well into their sort of forties or fifties, and yet they're still got the passion of like the twenty year olds or something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. It's a little odd. These wearing chains in bed. <laughs> okay, so forget, so the chains in bed. I think that that's the character. Right? Yeah, yeah, I get that. And, and, I get and that, also, yeah. and I think you know, maybe when I watched this when I was twenty, I was my first thought was, why would a lady be wearing yes. a top in bed? Well, I mean, that's the thing. You know, yeah, this is also the nineties, so you've you've passed that point in the sort of the late eighties, early nineties, where, where it's every actress got their tits out. Yes, every actress got the tits out. But then that, you hit that point in sort of the mid nineties where there was like a the political correctness that really kicked in, and so a lot of it was and it was a good move in some ways. And a lot of actresses just were basically saying, "No, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this." And that's fair enough. Um, but, but here it makes. But then sense. you have that awkwardness of things like people don't go to bed. You know, dressed like I have sex, dressed like this. They normally just take their stuff off. Yes, yeah. but, but also, I, I but I like the idea that there's a woman just sort of wearing a singlet to mm. bed in LA because it's it's you know hot. It's climate. hot. No, yeah, yeah. She's forty. She's yeah. in bed. She's probably got her. She's probably got her duds on, and then her partner's next to her who probably sleeps nude. Yes, and they just he's an Italian up. alpha male. He sleeps nude. <laughs> <laughs> they all sleep nude. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is a uh, what is it called? An unintended consequence of one of the great of this podcast is is the flavors of guests that I bring on. <laughs> and my dear friends has, has such a great turn of phrase um, when it comes to this. But this, but one of the things that I think is so super telling just about this moment, mm. and and I think you know it's it'll absolutely feed into the, the coming moments that we're going to see is there's. There's something about, especially the Macaulay Hannah contrast at the beginning of this film, that mm. Macaulay is not, he's not sleeping. Mm. He's not even pretending to have a normal life. Mm-hmm. Hannah is sleeping. Hannah's, we don't know it's his third marriage, mm. but he's married and he's passionate. Well, he seems to have the pitch perfect sort of, you yeah, know, at this moment, the family and right um, now, this quickie, life, yeah, this yeah. quickie is yeah. a perfect life. But the whole film, I mean, the single thing that struck me re-watching this again, again, and because I, when I first watched it, I, you're talking to a guy, I saw it in high school, my last year, high school, so 17, and then I watched a bunch in like 21, 22. And then I come back now at 39 and coming back to this thing, and it's like the single biggest difference that jumps out from the thing is, is obviously things like tone and things like the story threads and thematics and all that sort of stuff. And so the big thing with that movie is how every single man in this movie is a lone wolf trying to wear the skin of a family man. Yes. And they do, and they succeed and fail to different degrees depending on the person. De Niro is the classic example of the one who basically says, fuck it, and he's not even trying. Yes. And then he sort of begins to sort of try and slip on a little one and then it never happened. Whereas he, whereas Pacino, on the other hand, is the one that's probably the most deep into it. Kilmer yeah. is to some extent as well. Um, but this is the one, but the thing, Kilmer you will find, sorry, but Pacino you will find later on is quite self-aware of who he is and what that sort of thing, more than some of the other characters. I love the tenderness of this. Yeah. I think it's 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 sexual, and she's she's a like Diane Venora. She's great. I mean, she's been a in a few. I saw her in a few things in the nineties after this sort of thing. She's in the Insider as well. Yeah, she's in the Insider. She was in the. There was a film called The Jackal, which was a terrible remake. Terrible. Of the Day of the Jackal, but um, she was the best thing about it, and she played like this scarred Russian general who. She was like, great in the. Jackal. She was great. She yeah. is the best thing in that film. Yeah, um, but she's so amazing in this, and this this sequence is a. It's passionate without yeah. being gratuitous. Yeah, it's like you know you're not saying actually any actual nudity. It's just, but it is passionate, and there is a certain random. And there's and, and we're there's just, certainly a tenderness to it and emotion to it. That's just like, and that's what I think. It's like three seconds out from the close of the minute that we're watching. Mm. There's this amazing sort of the, the passionate. You you see her the sort of arc up, and she sort mm. of takes the charge and gets on top. But there's this second where they sort of split apart from each other. They separate their bodies. And they look at each other. Mm. And it's just this final three seconds of this moment. And man reframes it and refocuses. And it just sort of posits the distance between the two of them. Yeah, you don't, you're not even seeing the eyes. You're just you seeing see the eyes. It's the posture. It's the mm. bodies in space, the relation to one another. Yeah. And it's just that you know that if you've been intimate with someone and you're just staring into each other in that intimate moment, mm. just to pause and just drink each other yeah. in, there's just something magical about that. So, And, and that's the thing. And even then, now it, it just has that power on its own, but then you come into the film later where it's like the whole her whole arc is about how he recognises her. You know, she recognises that she's not the priority in this 
relationship. No. She is the secondary thing. Yeah. And she's comfortable with that. And yeah. she kind of, how long can she keep going with how, it? How long? And, uh, yeah. So we, get, so we get to the end of the fifth minute and we get this electricity, this mm. moment, this beautiful reframing and Dante Spinotti. We haven't said that name <laughs> just yet. But Dante Spinotti... Oh, that comes in later. Yeah, that'll come in later. There'll be lots of Dante Spinotti later, but Dante Spinotti is the cinematographer and he's worked with Michael Mann on many, 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 many films. And, oh, there's just probably not a... Uh, not a more wonderful lenser um, probably working he's one of my favourite cinematographers surely I think you know from shooting Heat in the Insider you immediately become my number one too mm-hmm. um, it, it, this is just such a beautiful little shot and I love the accidental out of focus in focus because it's yes. not accidental no it's absolutely not this a- is not like one of those uh, you know sort of picturesque frame to be like a painting version of a sex scene this is no. meant to be actually more like an actual let's, let's sort of get, like in the moment let's moment. get intimate yeah. yeah a beautiful moment well look after getting so sexual with you from uh, in the, in the, in the fifth, <laughs> there's more sex to come in the, next <laughs> in the fifth minute of heat Garth Franklin because uh, I feel like Three is kind of a magic number at the moment to sort of go through. Would you come back? I will. And be on one more minute and see Al Pacino ask where his stepdaughter's father is with Mm me? Or you come back and see Diane Venora's Justine maybe take some Xanax in the corner? Let's do it. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to One Heat Minute. This is episode five, the fifth minute of Michael Mann's film. And just again, if you missed it in an earlier episode, this is the theatrical version. We have not gone on the Michael Mann definitive cut, but... We will be talking about the differences uh, between the theatrical and the Michael Mann um, uh, definitive cut in the moments that it is most pertinent and relevant. But thank you for listening. Garth, thank you for joining me, and we'll be back in uh, soon. Thank you so much, Mr. Garth Franklin, for joining me on One Heat Minute Episode 4. You can find Garth at DarkHorizons.com or at DarkHorizons on Twitter. He is also one of the co-designers of this website. Thank you, sir. And thank you once again to Music by Mr. Paul Davies. Guys, we'll catch you next time on One Heat Minute. Thank you so much for listening and following along. Hashtag One Heat Minute on Twitter or just OneHeatMinute.com.